0: You're listening to Let Church Podcast with
1: Pastor Bill Carpenter. In Luke chapter 11, verses 24 through 26. And we read When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest and finding none. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept. And put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. This is God's Word. Thank you, Pastor. As David said, we're going to kind of wrap up this series on freedom this morning and uh, move to some other things. I, uh, I was trying to figure out how I was going to do this today, and at first I thought, well, I'm just going to, like, rehash everything. Like, I'm just going to do, like, a quick swath of everything. And as I started to write all that down and think about what I had to say about each of those areas of bondage and all of the seven deadly sins and the repentance and everything else, we would be here until Tuesday. Okay? So... <laughs> that's not going to go over for any of us today all right and i i I know some of you you've got things to do and the fellowship is out there waiting for you and so we don't want to be here a horribly long time but i do i want to take the time to just wrap this up for you and and just leave you with a little bit of like the strategy for going forward how do you move forward in this and maintain your freedom so that's how we're going to close the series out Uh, After that, we're going to look at some other things that we're going to be preaching on. But if something really just like captured you during this series and you would like more of that, uh, talk to Pastor Dave and I. You know, we we want to preach to you what is relevant and uh, sort of imperative for you. Uh, in your growth and your maturity. So we would, we would love to hear from you going forward as what are those places where you'd like for us to land on some sermons uh, uh, to help you grow. Uh, since I'm talking about maintaining freedom today, though, I, I want to read a testimony. That was one of the things that I loved about this series is we had a lot of you sharing your testimonies, testimonies of where you've been in bondage, where you've come out of bondage, where you're battling, uh, or where the Lord has given you victory uh, going forward. And not only was that encouraging, for all of us, but it allowed us a window into your own life, and I think that's a really important piece of this, is that we're developing community as we are preaching the gospel, and so we get to know each other a little better when we open that window just a little bit and let others see into our lives, and we share our own battles and our own struggles, and one of the great things about that is that you sit out there and you, and you say things like, oh, wow, I thought I was the only one. Oh, my goodness, other people... Feel the same way I do. Get the same deceptions and lies heard that I hear. Uh, stuff like that, and so you're able to identify with each other so so much better. Okay, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to read a testimony this morning. This is not actually a testimony from someone in Life Church. This is a, a lady outside of Life Church. But I think she gives a really, really good, concise, and full, and rich testimony about what we're talking about today, and that is how to live in freedom and maintain that freedom. So I'd like for you to indulge me for a few minutes here. It's it's a little bit longer testimony, but... Just listen, okay? Just listen with a heart to hear what the Spirit might be speaking to you today. But I chose this because I think she gives a really uh, pointed view, but a, but a very clear, honest, and, and realistic example of what freedom really is and how we maintain it, all right? So just, just listen for a few minutes here. I gave my life to Christ when I was 18. In the past 16 years since, I have been in a process of slowly, gradually breaking free of all the old influences of my former life. I was involved in drugs, the occult, bisexuality, and New Age spirituality, among other things. Although I stopped these practices when I became a Christian, I was still plagued, plagued by profound and chronic insecurity and depression and failures. I didn't question that God was in my life, but His presence felt so weak in comparison to the heaviness that seemed to suffocate my mind and my emotions every day. It was like I walked around under a black cloud that I could not get away from. I was supposed to be joyful and walking in the power of Christ. What was wrong with me? I wanted so badly to just believe and confess a scripture verse and poof, watch it all vanish. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Whee! I feel wonderful. That's the way it's supposed to work, right? But it didn't happen that way. Though I did believe and confess, my heart was rooted deeply in old negative thinking that did not want to give up its ground. My heart still felt sad. And cold, I could write pages and pages about my struggle with these things, but the point of this is how I obtain freedom. So here is my secret. I haven't given up. Let me say that again. I haven't given up. Every day, whether I feel powerful or weak, free or constrained, I keep doing the same things, the simple things that we all know we're supposed to do. Praying reading God's Word, worshiping, trying to love people. Sometimes it's through tears and gritted teeth. Sometimes it's in joy of receiving revelation of Scripture through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's dry and boring, like doing dishes or sweeping the floor. But I just keep going, putting one foot in front of the other, and slowly, gradually, but surely, I am experiencing freedom. Over the years, I've changed dramatically, though I usually can't see it happening from day to day. The principle of not giving up is so simple but so important. Many of us never taste the rewards of it. We try to use God and His Word like a magic spell. If we don't see instant rewards, we quit. It's so tempting, but most growth happens slowly, imperceptibly. You see, you see it all throughout God's creation. A seed takes weeks to germinate in the ground before it sprouts, and then it takes weeks, months, even in some cases years to grow to maturity. It's wonderful when dramatic things happen, and God obviously does work in ways and times like that. The Bible is filled with examples of instantaneous miracles. But even for those people who received them, they still had to keep believing Jesus the next day and the next and the next. A miracle doesn't give you the opportunity to put your spirituality on coast for the rest of your life. Another thing that has played a big part in my life is going through various kinds of freedom ministries, listening to the sermons and receiving the prayer. There are different kinds of freedom or deliverance But they all center around breaking your ties with sin and rejecting any power of Satan that might be in your life because of it, repenting. You have to be willing to do some digging around in your soul. It takes time and thought and prayer and being willing to expose what is in you. But it's worth it. After going through this kind of ministry, I had more peace in my mind and a renewed understanding of how to stand up and fight against ungodly thinking, thinking from my past that tries to come back and is generally very negative. God has shown me that to persevere until the end always involves a lot of fighting, not in the sense that we are fist-fighting with demons. Jesus has already defeated the powers of darkness in us. As these crushed foes continue to try to deceive us, we have to battle to believe the truth and stand in it. And walk in it. In the end, it's all about learning to believe God. No matter what I might feel or think or experience, it is his word that stands forever and will remain when all else is gone. Amen. Amen. And that's where I want to land with you today, all right? I want to let, let's just talk about this thing of spiritual maintenance and, and, and living in this freedom consistently over the rest of our lifetime, alright? Now, I realize this spring and summer has been intense. It's been really, really intense for some of you. Some of you got into some of your uh, bondages and some of your battles and, and you you dove way in there. You had every intention of being free and there are testimonies of the freedom that has come uh, for a number of you, alright? And And I think the, the testimonies that, that we did, uh, they were real battles. They were real defeats and victories. Uh, but they were, they were important for us to share with one another. You've gotten closer. You've gotten more intimate through this series. You've gotten more trusting and more, more open with other people that maybe you would have never have trusted prior to going through this series. You're identifying with one another. And I think everything that we did in this series... And the reality is we had this amazing series early on about the spiritual disciplines. We told you about you need to, you need to pray, you need to be in the Word, you need to practice solitude, you need to, to do uh, holy living, these kinds of things. All of that was sort of to lay a, a, a wonderful pillar, a foundation there so that we could bring these areas of bondage and these seven deadly sins to you so that you actually had something you were standing on and some tools to work with as you dove into your own heart and begin to let God show you the, the, the ugly. And, and the dirty places in, in your own life, all right? And, and now we're trying to help you to, to move forward with this, this, this maintenance, if, if you will, all right? But God has called Life Church to a place of holiness. God has called Life Church to a place of walking out repentance through grace. And so all of this that we have done is in order for us to be more effective. And I really believe that a part of that, as we, as we went through this and as we begin to see what God was doing and we begin to see where we are headed to and where we're going, and I love big picture thinking. I don't like just living in the moment, okay? But the big picture is, is that we're going to be a church filled with disciple makers. We're going to be a church who is being discipled and discipling others. We're a church that's been given a lot and we're rich in what we have been given and the intent of God is that we have been blessed so that we can be a blessing and that's not just going to happen out there somewhere. It's going to happen as you and I connect each up with each other arm to arm, shoulder to shoulder. And in small little pockets, we begin to grow and we begin to challenge one another. And iron sharpens iron. And we're able to speak into each other's lives and build each other up and bring truth to one another and disciple one another as a body of believers. And when we do that, we're going to see some amazing things happen. But the reality is it's very difficult for any one of us to take people where we've not been. And if we're not free, it's really difficult to take someone into freedom. If we're in bondage, it's really difficult to help someone else get out of bondage. All right. And so this is what God has been doing, I believe. I I think he's getting us ready for what might be some of the most amazing and exciting time of this church's life as we enter into this new phase of discipleship coming in late September and early October. So I really want to set you up for that. You know, I really want you to see that and, and believe that. So this morning we're bringing to a close this series on the freedom in Christ. And we're going to do that by landing in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 11 that David read to you. Um, and before we, we look at that particular verse, or the two verses that he read to you, I, I want to I put it in context for you, okay? Jesus has cast out a, 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 a demon that was in a person who was mute. This is in Luke chapter 11, but at about verse, verse 14, he cast this demon out. Uh, and what happens when he casts the demon out is accusation comes against Jesus, all right? Major accusation comes against him that indeed what he's doing is he's casting out demons with demons, In other words, he's using the demonic to cast out the demonic. He's using the prince of all demons uh, as a means to cast out other demons. And Jesus knew that those that were accusing him of this sort of demonic power, they were simply trying to discredit him. That's all they were doing. They They were after making his name less, diminishing his name in some way. And so what he does is he responds back to that, and he, what, he, what he really does is points out how absurd this is. You know, this is just, this is just an absurdity, all right? Um, a kingdom or a house divided against itself cannot stand, he says in verse 17, all right? So Jesus has turned the tables, and, and the way he does that is he asks them a question. He says, if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, then, then who do your sons cast them out by? In other words, he, and this is verse 19. He says, he says, it takes demonic activity to expel demonic activity? You know, that, that doesn't make sense. You just condemned your own. All right. You just condemned your own sons. You just condemned your own work. You just condemned your, your own ministry there. And so what Jesus concludes then is this section that David read to you this morning that's pointing out that, that whoever is not with him is against him, all right? And so we have to be careful, folks, that in what we do and how we live, we gather with Jesus, not against Jesus. And together with Jesus is to fulfill his call and his mandate. And his mandate is to go and make disciples. And if the call is to go and make disciples, we have to be prepared and equipped to do that. And to do that, we have to be able to walk in this freedom that Jesus has provided. And so then that brings us to verse 24. And this is where he begins to talk about this thing, this idea, this this concept, if you will, that when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, something happens. First of all, that spirit passes through waterless places, you know, uh, isolated, desert places, if you will. It's seeking some place to rest, some place to land, but it doesn't find anything. And then it makes this amazing statement. It begins to do some kind of self-talk, and it begins to to make make some some statements or some plans. And what it says to itself is, and and hear this, I will return to my house from which I came. Do you catch the possession there? My house. My house. And when it comes... The Bible says, it finds the house swept and put in order. In other words, now this demonic entity, as it returns with the intent of going back to the place it was, it finds the place different. It's not the same, all right? It's not the way that it left it, all right? But the amazing thing is, it is in order, it is clean, but it is not habited, there, there is not residency. There, And so because it's empty, see, you can be clean, but you can be empty. You can be in order, but you can be empty. And the danger of that emptiness is it is such a vulnerable place. the Bible says that that spirit that evil comes back and again it dwells there only it brings seven other spirits more awful than itself and now they all dwell and habitate in that place and the state of that person is worse in the end than it was in the beginning what I'm trying to say to you my friend today and please get this self reformation is never enough You can change yourself. You can reform yourself in some ways. You can get in order. You can get clean. But if you are empty, you are subject to everything demonic that rules on the face of this earth. And that is a horribly dangerous place for you to live. And if you live in that place and if you think that is your freedom, you are terribly, terribly, terribly mistaken because you are subjecting yourself to a greater bondage than what you originally battled and tried to overcome. Are you you following me this morning? I believe the Holy Spirit is in this message in a very powerful way because I believe some of you, you have battled and you thought you won, and you you ended up in bondage again, and you battled and you thought you won. And there are some of you sitting here in this room today, and I believe this only by the Spirit, and what has been impressed to me is that you have come to a place where you're ready to quit because you've battled so hard and so long. But you just kept going back, and it's just been a, a tireless cycle for you in and out and in and out, and you're so tired of that. Let me tell you something. There is hope. Please don't give up. Don't give in today, all right? Don't give in to that lie. Don't give into that temptation. Don't give into that place. All right. We're gonna help you to know how to walk this freedom out. We're gonna help you to understand how to get out of this battle. So that's the, the context of what we're in here, all right? There's this sense of trying to discredit Jesus, but he turns all of this around. And in the middle of all of that, he sort of buries this little uh, revelation, if you will, and says, hey, I want you to understand how the demonic works. You need to understand this isn't demons fighting demons, but you're in a real war zone. You're in a real battle here and you got to be careful Because what you fight and and, and you overcome, you've got to be able to maintain this ability to keep that afar from you, out there somewhere. And you can't do that if you've done this all on your own strength and you're empty and thinking that you're just now going to take a rest and it's all going to be good. For some people, this passage gets a bit Perplexing because they focus on well, what are unclean spirits and what are spirits and what are waterless places and how how do you keep a house swept clean and, and all these kind of things. you're going if you if you bog down in all of that you're gonna miss it here. Uh, based on its context, this this particular passage is most accurately understood as Jesus challenging those people who are there that he's talking to and you and I to understand the difference between good and bad methods of heart cleansing. If it was just up to me, if it was just up to Pastor Dave, we would clean ourselves up because that's the kind of guys we are, all right? And and if he couldn't clean himself up, I'd clean him up because that's the kind of guy I am. (laughs) You know, we both, we're going to fix it. That's the thing that we have to deal with in dealing with you is that we don't fix you because our strength is no better than your strength. And so we can't come in here and make it right for you. If if we could, we would. Actually, that would be much easier. (laughs) Just fix everybody. Just tell you what to do and make you do it, you know? But that's what you're doing to yourselves a lot of times. You're deciding what you need and then you're doing it but the problem is it doesn't last. It doesn't have an eternal profit to it. It doesn't continue on. You find yourself sometimes in worse places than where you were. You can't fix yourself. And so to maintain your freedom is going to require you to let someone else bring that freedom to you initially. Whom the sun sets free is free. Indeed, in other words, it's an eternal work. It's, it's it's an amazing eternal work, if you will. All right. So when we speak about self-cleansing of the house, and, and we and we reference this passage, that that's that's what I believe Jesus is referring to is his self-cleansing of the heart. All right. Jesus in this example here is trying to show you and I how ineffective this self-cleansing is because it, it, it does not affect the ownership of the heart and it doesn't have the power to maintain itself, all right? When you try to clean up yourself, there are ownership issues that you cannot address there because you got the wrong owner trying to do this. When you give your heart to Jesus, you give up your heart. You don't own it anymore. So ownership changes hands. That's the transaction, if you will, all right? We referenced that way back in the forgiveness message, all right? There's a transaction that takes place. And so you give your heart to Jesus, all right? So let's talk about that for just a minute. First of all, it is ineffective If you're doing this because it doesn't address true ownership, notice what the demon said. I will return to my house. I don't know about you, but that just sends a chill up my spine. That Jesus on the cross can do such an amazing work to do for you and I what we could not do for ourselves. And we can actually receive that cleansing. And there is an entity out there that says, No, I still own you. There is a taskmaster, there is a slave owner, if you will, out there that's saying, No, I'm not gonna recognize that transaction because this one is mine. And you know what? I'm gonna go back to what is mine and I'm gonna take it back. Folks, this is serious business this thing of living in freedom, all right? The demon still considers the person's heart to belong to it. And this is where you've got to walk in truth. This is where you've got to begin to take captive those thoughts because the enemy's going to try to come back to you and say, no, you are mine. You belong to me. You did this, and that makes you mine, because this is what I do. You took on my nature, and so you belong to me. And you have to say, no, I will not buy that. I, I do not stand on that. The truth is, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. And yeah, maybe I still act in some of those old kinds of ways occasionally, and it looks like you own me. It looks like we're in bed together, but we are not. I am a new creature. I belong into a place. I have been put into a place and I belong in that place of new ownership and that is in Christ. And so you don't let the old ownership come back and take over because he has no right to it anymore. Second, it's ineffective when you do it by your own strength because it lacks the necessary power to maintain itself. See, wh- wh- while the demon had been removed, the house swept and put in order. Isn't it strange that the demon was still able to re-enter? re-enter? Why, why did it bring seven more demons with it? Well, it maybe needed a little bit more force, but here's the thing. That is the way the evil one works. The evil one will do whatever it can And bring together whatever it needs and amass whatever power it thinks is necessary to take back what it believes is his. And God says, My strength is sufficient. And the same power that raised Jesus up out of a grave and death will raise you up out of yourself and your own strength in order that you may begin to do what is necessary to walk in your freedom. Jesus is very clear, all right? Self-cleansing is ineffectual for you. It, 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 It cannot do it for you. It will actually bring you to ruin. When you try to do this on your own, you will find yourself in ruin. Your state in the latter will be worse than your state in the beginning. I think today you have to really look at your own heart. What have you done over this series and over the spring and the summer? Have you done this by yourself? If you have, oh, my goodness, let's back up. Today, run to Jesus. Let let Jesus join you in this work. The reality is, how about you join Jesus in his good work? Because what the Bible says is, that that he has begun, not what you began, now what you started. That that he has begun, he will bring to completion. Please understand that. This is not good grammar, but I'm going to say it like a southerner says it, all right? He ain't got to do nothing. You started. He ain't got to own it. He ain't got to play with it. He ain't got to follow it. He ain't got to obey it. He ain't got to listen to it. His intent is, is that you understand that He is sovereign and that that power that He has displayed on resurrection day is the same power that awaits you to take hold of as you submit to Him and serve Him and He will cleanse you and sanctify you by the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ. And you will be able to finish this race well as Pastor Dave talked about. Now, what is unspoken in our passage, but I think it's implied, and I want to talk about it just a little bit before we're done here, is is that in in the broader context, there's this need for a cleansing, but it's from an outside source. All right? That source, there's only one, okay? Okay? Let's clarify that. It's Jesus. All right? Jesus' death, Jesus' burial, Jesus' resurrection accomplished salvation, redemption, and and can provide this eternal cleansing that you need. All right? Now, why is that effective? All right? I want you to, to, to reference Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. It says, do you not know? It's kind of a rhetorical question in a sense, but do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? There's ownership. The house is owned. The house has someone who has already bought it and purchased it and paid for it with a heavy price. Your body is the temple. Not only is it just a housing, but it is a temple. It is a dwelling place of deity. It's not just so you can live and breathe and have fun and do what you want to do and play around. It's so you and I can be filled with the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God habitates with us, dwells with us, lives not only among us, but in us. So you have this body, this temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God. You didn't create this. You didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I think I'll be a holy temple. I think I'll look good. No, it came from God. God God is the source, if you will. All right, you are not your own. That passage says then, you were bought with a price. So then, anytime there's a so then, it means this is what, this is your right response based on what you now know. because you now know this, because it's been told to you now. Now, so then, you do this. Glorify God in your body. See, you and I cannot glorify God in a state of bondage. We can't glorify God when all this stuff is churning around inside of us and its bitter fruits are coming out of us. And heaven forbid that we even in our own self-righteousness, cleanse this thing, this temple of God, and then instead of receiving the Holy Spirit to fill it, we leave it open for whatever might come along to the point of our ruin and our destruction. Second, Jesus is effective in doing this because it is necessary And he is the necessary power. It's necessary to have this power, but he is the necessary power to to maintain it, all right? Not just to have this happen. And this is what we all, this is, salvation messes with you, It's the best thing that could happen to you, but it also messes with you only because we have skewed ideas about what salvation really is, and we think it's just this instantaneous moment, and then once that's done, it's insurance against hell, and we're good. And that's one of the biggest lies out of the pit, That is not the case, all right? Romans 8, 34, you want to reference that uh, in, in, in your notes? Okay, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, look what he says, more than that was raised, all right? For you, all right, Jesus is the one who cleanses, more than that empowers you to stay clean. All right, so he was raised, who is at the right hand of God. All right, now, yes, he's at the right hand of God, but you gotta, we're talking about God, not you. All right, so he can be there and he can be here. We don't quite know how to really explain that very well sometimes, but it's the reality, it's the truth. He's there, he's here. We just call it ever present, (laughs) everywhere present. So he is at the right hand of the Father, but he's very real to you, very very present to you, and he is interceding for you. He's praying for you. As I am preaching to you right now, Jesus is beside the Father, and he is talking to the Father about everyone in this room. I don't know how he can do that, but he does it. It's amazing. This... All being, all sovereign, everywhere present, God is able to know exactly where you are and give you exactly what you need to maintain your freedom. Hebrews 7:25 says, Therefore he is able to save, look at the word, completely. Pastor Dave did a marvelous job. All of his sermons are just great. I just love them. I love having him from my pastor. But in last, he, he talked to you about this idea of being saved, having been saved, you are saved, and you are being saved. All right? And Hebrews says you are saved. Boom. Completely. Boom. All right? It goes and goes and goes. In other words, You are set free. You are being set free. Boom, boom. All right? That's the way it goes. So we are constantly in this process of being sanctified. We're constantly in this process. Don't give in. Don't give up. You may not see it in the increments you want to see it, and they may not be the big things, but just remember there's at least two things you can count on. Boom, boom. It's going to happen. It has happened. It's going to happen. All right? It's there for us. And, and Scripture is clear that, that while this self-cleansing, this, this, this doing it yourself, is, is not effective, Jesus' cleansing is absolutely not only essential, but it is the one thing that is effective because it's eternal. Because Jesus is eternal. And While self-cleansing causes the last state of the person to be worse than the first, Jesus' cleansing causes the last state to be better than the first. Boom, boom. All right? You get it? Yeah, you're saved. But yeah, you, when you see him, will be like him. And everything happening from boom to boom is getting you to be more like him. So, you are constantly being sanctified and shaped and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And what he's doing as he's doing that is continually liberating you, continually bringing freedom in your life. And that happens by the power of the Holy Spirit in no other way. And in life, church, we will never diminish that power, we will never quench it, we will never stop it, we won't be afraid of it. We'll talk about it and there'll be some things we can't answer about it, but the reality is the power of the Holy Spirit is a mysterious power that yet is a very real and understandable power and the paradox of, is, is out there, but the reality is we cannot do this without the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I challenge you to stay there. Be, you want to you walk out this, this liberation? You want to stay free? Receive the Spirit of the Lord. Let the power of God come in, all right? So here's sort of the application of this thing. Self-cleansing is easy but ineffective. That's one of your takeaways. Whether it's trying harder or doing better, it it allows us to think we have control. It, It actually feeds that desire to want to do it ourselves. And the end of that is just merely pride. If you clean yourself up and get yourself a little better, what do you do? I did it. I did this, I did this, I did this. There's a lot of good stuff out there that's called self-help. There's a lot of good stuff out there that's called positive thinking. I love it. I'm on the positivity bus, all right? I'm from fun country. I love all that kind of stuff. I love living in that kind of environment where you're you're just like coached and cheerleadered and all that to just go, go, go and just be everything. I love all of that. But all of that is not Jesus. And if that's all you land on, All you're doing is patting yourself on the back which opens the door for pride which is the great sin of all sins allows you to have all these other sins come in and join it and then your state is worse in the end than it was in the beginning. you know what that is? You got nothing. You got nothing. If you are a Christian here today do not fall into the trap of seeking to cleanse yourself up. Confess your sin to God. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 4. Seek to work harder, not in your own power, but in all of God's energy and power. Let Him work and prove Himself faithful in you. Trust God, not yourself. Believe in God, not just in yourself. You're a non Christian here today, and, and you may think that going to church will help you more, or maybe that's why you came in here today, and you're a visitor, and you're going, I just need to go to church. That'll help me. No, it's not going to help. Sorry. Mm-mm. No, no, Jesus is your help. Jesus is your help. I'm not trying to make fun of you in any way. You you may try to will yourself off of addictions. Uh, You are going to discover that you cannot cleanse your heart fully, that only Jesus Christ can cleanse your heart, and that you have to come to him in faith and repentance. That's, That's what you have to do. And in just a few minutes, Melissa's going to just introduce you to that Jesus in a wonderful and profound way today and give you the opportunity to receive him. All right? Breaking free of strongholds is life-changing. I don't want to dismiss anything that has happened for you in this series. I have absolutely loved this series. I think it's one of the most transformational series that we've done in life church, all right? I, I am so happy and thrilled with the things that God has been doing in your lives, all right? But 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 being delivered, being set free, being healed, all of these are wonderful gifts that Jesus died for us to have, all right? Receiving a measure of freedom is like winning a battle. But the battle is only part of an ongoing spiritual war. And I don't want to set you up to think that, okay, we went through a a freedom series, so we're all free. Good, now I can go on with my life. No, you're in a battle. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to stay with it. You're going to have to persevere. You're going to have to not give in to that, okay? So then the question is, how, how do we maintain our freedom? How do we not return to, to our old ways of living? How do we av- avoid slipping back into to old thought patterns and old strongholds? There are a number of things that, that can help you. One thing that I want you to understand today is that that you're part of your work, part of what you have to do, once Jesus has saved you and, and you have begun this process of being sanctified, see, it's like buying an old house. You're... you're, you're You get bought. You get paid for. Jesus pays for your sin on the cross, and so you belong to him now, okay? But you still got to fix that house up. You know, you got to paint it and and change the plumbing and put new shingles and do what. There's this process of of working on this house to make it what it needs to be, all right? And so there is this, this sanctification that is going on. And so we got to help each other with that. And, and I, can, I can give you a lot of different things, and, and maybe we'll just put something in the e blast of some points, some simple but important steps of, of how to maintain your freedom. But here's one thing I want to close with today, kind of, and that is that you need, to, you need to live in the opposing spirit of what you've come out of or where you've come from. You need, you need to begin to understand what, what would be the opposite of that. Now, let me give you an example. It's taken from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 27. Verse 27 begins by saying, don't give any opportunity to the devil. Your translation may say, give no opportunity to the devil. And then there's this example here, all right? Let the thief no longer steal. In other words, let him get saved. (laughs) Let him get saved and repent. Let him stop, he, he was stealing, let him stop stealing, all right? So he gets saved. But rather, let him labor. In other words, let him do something that is in the opposite direction of stealing. People who steal are lazy. They don't want to work for it themselves, so they take it from someone else who has worked for it. All right? So get him saved and then move him in the opposite direction. Start a process of sanctification for him, all right? Let him him labor doing honest work with his own hands. In other words, let him not be receiving from other people, let him not be taking from other people, but the very hand that took, let that hand work. In other words, moving the opposite spirit, okay? Then he goes a little further and he says, doing honest work with his own hands so that, and this is more of like the arrival point, if you will, all right, that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The guy was stealing from other people. And and Paul says, hey, he needs to give to other people. In other words, he works now in the opposing spirit of where he was. That's where he not only lands, but that's where he lives. That's where he stays, all right? And so in that place of giving, he can never give in to that place of taking. And so now he lives. He is living out the opposing spirit of where he was before. And he can do that because there's new ownership. All right? He is being filled with the Spirit of God. He is being sanctified. And, and, and the Spirit of God is working through him and helping him to do the very thing that he was in the opposite position of when he needed Jesus. Do you follow that thinking? So you need to find out, in that place of bondage that you have been in, you know, if, if the sermon on greed hit you upside the head, well, you need to be generous and give to somebody. Or something, all right? Because that's the opposite spirit of that, all right? So, so what I want you to do is I want you to understand that, that self-cleansing, the reformation of yourself is never going to work. That's one thing. The other thing is don't try to do it alone. You need to be in community. That's what our discipleship is going to be all about, is putting you in community with one or two other people in in a depth of relationship that allows you to be transparent and honest and open and share with one another and encourage one another and challenge one another and move forward and grow and mature. And then you can get in other relationships that have fellowship components to them in a big way so that you can build greater community around you so that you can begin to know who are the people of peace that I can begin to go deeper with and develop these smaller components with and I can be effective and I can affect others and I can live in the opposing spirits of where I was before and now I'm walking out my freedom. And when you have that kind of community and you have the Holy Spirit coming in that way, it fills the voids and the empty places with God so that you don't have this open emptiness that the enemy can come in and begin to habitate in. But to do that, you need an action plan. So I would ask you to begin to to decide, how are you going to do this? And I pray and, and, and I seriously pray that you will be open to letting Pastor Dave and I lead you into some really serious discipleship. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. we got to quit. It's 1130. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season, in time, we will reap if we do not give up. If we do not give up. All right? A wealthy English family once invited friends to spend some time at their, uh, their estate um, It was a very happy gathering. It was actually a birthday party, uh, but it was almost a tragedy. It was almost a disaster on the first day. The children were swimming, uh, and one of them got into deep water and was drowning. Fortunately, the gardener of this estate heard the other kids screaming, plunged into the pool to rescue the helpless victim. That youngster was Winston Churchill. His parents were deeply grateful to the gardener, and they asked what they could do to reward him he hesitated and then he said i wish my son the gardener could go to college someday and become a doctor and they said we'll pay his way years later when sir winston churchill was prime minister his parents they were very much concerned about him in, as a man as they were as a young boy And um, he was stricken with pneumonia when he was prime minister. Terrible case of pneumonia. His family was very concerned. His parents uh, spoke about it. The king of England at the time, um, or or the queen, whichever it was, summoned what they thought was really the best physician in all of England to come to Winston Churchill's bedside. That doctor that came was Sir Alexander Fleming. He was, if, if you know your history, he developed penicillin. All right, so it's a great, great doctor. Uh, He was also the gardener who had saved Winston Churchill's life as a little boy. And now through medicine and what he had done as a physician, he would again very likely be saving Winston Churchill's life. Later, Churchill said this. He said, rarely has one man owed his life twice to the same person. Rarely has one man owed his life twice to the same person. God sent his son to die for your sin. But God also sent his son to proclaim that I have given you life and life abundant. It's one thing that God has created us. It's another thing that he has redeemed us. It's rare that we would owe our lives to one man. It is not rare that we should owe our lives to God. For he has created us, and he has redeemed us. I love Churchill. I I, I just enjoy, this, this man is just so intriguing to me. During the war, he was quoted as having saying, never, never, never give up. You've seen it on t shirts, on books, flags, all kinds of things. The reality is, that's not really what he said. <laughs> that wasn't, it's a misquote. It really wasn't his speech. Let me, let me just share with you what he actually did say. Taken from Bartlett's familiar quotations, you can look it up. It was on October 29th, 1941. Um, he wasn't yet Sir Winston Churchill at the time. Um, he hadn't received that honor yet but he was in in the mix of the battles that were going on in england and england had had a a 10-month period where it was just terrible and a lot of things had happened bad things crisis things had happened all right uh and so he is invited to his old school harrow h-a-r-r-o-w harrow school uh to share just to, to speak to the men there and to encourage them that was the 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 request come and encourage the men Here, And that's when he gave the speech that has been misinterpreted This is what he actually said He said, but for everyone Surely what we have gone through in this period Meaning this last ten months or so He goes, I'm addressing myself to you, the school Surely from this period of ten months This is the lesson This is the lesson And this is the quote that is misquoted He says, never give in Never give in Never, 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 in nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions. And he speaks of those convictions. And this is what I'm going to say to you today. God, by his Son and the power of the Holy Spirit, has given you the opportunity to be cleansed, to be set free, and to live in victory. And that enemy has been cast out in the name of Jesus. And you have the ability to walk, not only in the presence of God, but to allow the presence of God to dwell in you. No matter how bad it gets, no matter what the situation or the circumstance, no matter whether there's been a failure or a victory, no matter whether it's difficult or easy, don't you ever give in to the devil. Don't give in, don't give in. Never, 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 never give in except to your convictions. And may your conviction be the reality that nothing I can do for myself can save me. Only Jesus saves. Only Jesus sets free. Only Jesus delivers. Only Jesus gives us victory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, would you take this word and would you just establish it powerfully in the heart of every person in this room in the name of Jesus. Would you give every person what they need for life and godliness right now? Would you bring forth and establish the conviction and the truth in every mind today, God, that you are greater than anything they can face, and the good work you have begun in each of them you will indeed bring to completion. And then may you get glory and honor and praise for everything that is done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take a couple more minutes, and Melissa's going to come and just rehearse the gospel to you and give you a chance to receive prayer.
0: I'm a a bit of a visual person, and so as Pastor Bill was preaching, I could just imagine myself sitting in a house, just reflecting and just seeing, you know, a giant mess. Everything dark and dirty, and, you know, and that often is... Our feel like our conviction or our condition you know we're in that place where it feels like there's nothing good um, you know or it's that we've cleaned everything up but we're terrified that the door is going to fly open or a window's going to fly open and everything's going to come in and be wrecked and that is actually that that feeling that that thinking is you know that's the weight of sin that's the weight of sin in our lives. That's the weight of um, our fallenness. But the, the beautiful thing is, as, as Pastor Bill talked about, is that there is Jesus. And the reason that it works is because Jesus, the Son of God, came from heaven, was born as a man. He lived perfectly. He died on our behalf. He was raised from the dead so that there is victory over that sin over that death, so that we could be reunited with him and to live by his power. Um, so this morning, if you're in those spots, either you've never encountered Jesus and you need to start that relationship, there's going to be people that will come up, be up here, um, that you can pray with, or maybe you're just in that place that even after all of the, the series, um, you're just, you've maybe tried to clean yourself up, Or maybe you've, um, you know, you're in the midst of transformation and you just need prayer. You know, that's an opportunity we want to give to you. So I'll have the prayer team come. And if you need prayer, please come. Um, It's nothing, not a big deal in the sense of people are watching, but it's a place where you can just be strengthened and be walking with Jesus. So I'm going to pray. um, And then when I'm done, you're dismissed. Jesus, we we love you. We thank you that you have been good to us, that you do seek us out and make it possible for us to live free of sin and death. And so we want to just give ourselves to you fully in this process of being saved and in the process of sanctification. Will you come by your Holy Spirit and transform our minds, transform our thoughts and our emotions and our affections, that we would be fully yours. So I pray that as we go out, that you would bless our fellowship and that our day-to-day in each moment, that you would be very present to us. In Jesus' name, amen.